Hello, welcome to Sunday Morning Corner Man. This week on the SMC, we discuss all the relevant fights of UFC on ESPN Plus 12, UFC Greenville. I will do all of this with a man who wears many hats, writer for Sure Dog, fan side and cage side press, of course, host of MMA Yesterday and panelist on Between the Links, absolutely, executive producer of the Loudmouth MMA Network, damn near goes without saying. The best ginger police officer who also writes MMA in the state of Rhode Island, he's Keith Schilling. Keith, how are you? You have to say Pawtucket, Rhode Island, because I don't know if I, I am all of Rhode Island. Oh, well, I, I was a little presumptive. We, but... we are the smallest state. but uh, I don't I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're the only one that fits that bill. So okay. if anybody calls me on it, I'll gladly debate them. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Keith. UFC flew to the great state of South Carolina, a state I once called home. This was their first trip to Greenville, a city that is 14 miles from Stephen Thompson's home of Simpsonville. When I saw this card on paper, I have to say it looked like one of those cards that was quietly loaded, even if the main event didn't really grab you by the neck. Keith, when you were doing your extensive pre-fight preparation for this uh, card, what did you think of it coming in? Well, I mean, it, this card is the ultimate card filler. Like, you know, we talk about those times, hey, what does this fight mean? It's a card filler. It's, it's like the entire card from top to bottom is, is all card fillers. When I looked at this card, it felt like, a collection of prelim fights. And like when we finished, like, all right, now we're gonna get to the main card. It's like, oh no, no, that was the main card. I mean, other than the actual main event, which still to me feels like, you know, a pay-per-view opener or or like a really good pay-per-views, you know, headlining prelim bout. I mean, the co-main event was uh, Brian Barberino and Randy Brown, who Randy Brown was coming off a knockout where he was on top. It, you know, on top, and he got knocked out by Hammerfist from on bottom. You know, obviously, I know people are saying, well, it was supposed to be Rob Font, and and I know John Lineker. I forgot who John Lineker replaced before that. Oh, Cody Stamen. But it, it just didn't feel like a – when people are calling it stacked, I'm like, wait, stacked? I mean – I mean, this is the ultimate card filler. All right, so let me let me. But it delivered. It did deliver. It did deliver. Let me push back on that a little bit. I will, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I think in the same way that you're seeing a girl and like her mo, like like she's a plain Jane by all accounts, but she also takes her plain Janeness to being a model. So you're like, yeah, she's really really plain, but she's also attractive enough to be a model. I think that this card had some things like the girl from. Um... Super bad. What's her name? I've I've never heard of that in my life. What are you talking? You never about? heard of Super bad? Oh, Super bad. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Yeah, like everyone goes crazy about that girl. But if she wasn't a movie star, you just saw her on the street. You'd be like, yeah, I'd do her. But right. Wouldn't be like, but you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't be drooling over her. Right. But she took that and maximized it. Right. That's yeah, what I would say. This car did. It took the fact that it was average and ended up maximizing it. All right. To me, so. to me this was just was like. Hey, we're go we're going to a market we've never been to for, so you know they're going to be excited. Um, let's try to find a main event. They couldn't get one because they had to stack other cards, and they're like, "All right, we'll throw this main event." In. And the rest of the card was like, "All right, who do we owe fights to? We have to get fights yeah. by contract." And then they just filled out the rest of the card, which is fine with me, man. I watch it anyways. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the to the main event, let's talk about the elephant in the room. What am I? I'm just realizing like what I threw on for this. I look like a absolute tourist. I'm a 42 year old man who's wearing. <laughs> I just look like I can't not – if anybody's watching this, I want you to be aware that I'm aware that I'm of the age I am and I'm wearing a snapback hat backwards 
and it, you, I'm fully, I'm fully self-aware. So let's you look, like, you look like you just left the show tonight. I look like I'm standing in line it, at the fan yeah. expo to get uh, Cowboy Cerrone's autograph. That's yeah. Exactly right. like. There you go. And you got to take a picture like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to talk him into a face-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, all right, let's talk about the main event. Chan Sung Jung, a.k.a. the Korean Zombie, has had an up-and-down career, a man who lost to Leonard Garcia in fairness, a fight he avenged. And George Roop has also choked out Dustin Poirier and fought Jose Aldo for the featherweight championship of the world. His opponent, Hanato Moicano, has been spending his time in the last few years at the top of the division with wins over Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater, and Cup Swanson. But wait, Keith, I feel like this intro is going longer than the fight, and we never do that. So the hell with the rest. Tell me what you thought about Zombie's performance and how it moves him forward. I mean, it's the best performance of his career. I mean, McConnell's a good fighter. It wasn't that long ago. Before the Jose Aldo fight, Moicano was like an outside shot at getting Max Holloway. People were, were actually considering booking Max Holloway versus uh, Moicano. Um, do you remember when Max Holloway was having all those issues and, and, and they were talking about interim title fights with him and Brian Ortega? I mean, this is a guy that was right there on the brink, and he's knocking him out in a minute. It's he's had some really good form. This is a guy who beat Dustin Poirier. I mean, he's had some really good performances in his career. Um, he has legendary fights, you know. Um, but the performance tonight, I mean, he he looked better than ever. We, I feel like we kind of got a little ripped off because he had to do that uh, military service and he was gone for a long time. Side um, note: How old does it make you feel that? Remember when that they announced that? And then now he's been back for like a couple of years. I know. For two years, the entire thing happened and he's been back now for a couple of years. And you know what? He had those wars and that time off might've been a good thing. I yeah. mean, to hail up his body. Like we all looked at it as like, Oh, this is terrible. He's I'm just guessing how old he was then, but 26, 27. And well, you got to lose prime years, but if anything, he might've hailed him up and he's, he looks great. Um, he was a second away from beating Yaya Rodriguez last time. It obviously was a crazy war, but I think everybody had him winning to that point. And uh, I think he erased that memory of that defeat with this crushing – I mean, he flawed him with a punch. And it goes back to what we talk about, and I stress this so much, is that vision. When fighters can see the punch coming and they can capitalize that, his vision was incredible where he slid just out – he slid – out of the punching range, but kept himself in striking range and counter-struck with that overhand right and floored him. I mean, that was beautiful. And then, then you know, finished off. McCoyna did his best at, at trying to recover, but the, you know, the Korean Zombie did not let him. And, man, what a performance. You know, and, I, and we try our best, obviously, to have our own original analysis. Occasionally, someone makes a good enough point that we'll go ahead and, and credit them and take it. And, and so one of the things the commentary team said, I think it was Bisbing, uh, I just like his patience. You know, a lot of fighters would have, like, maybe lost position, being a little overzealous. He kind of flattened him out, waited it out, just knew he had good position, and that, you know, the, the end was inevitable, and just sort of waited till it presented itself. So I, I think that's a, something that comes with having been around for a while. It's funny when we talk about him losing all that time. You know, he's not exactly uh, Ted Williams here who went off to the war and, like, you know, was flying bomber missions uh -huh. as a pilot you know this kid actually went to the military and the way the south korean military is he probably got a break from what is normal you know uh strenuous things he was doing as a fighter so you're right he, he joined the military and actually like you said maybe gained a couple of years let's talk about him moving forward um 
I heard post-fight, uh, I watched the, the post-fight show for a couple of minutes. Tyron Woodley was calling for him to rematch with Aldo because of the way the Aldo sure. fight uh, ended. Freak, freak injury, yeah. Yeah, what are you thinking about with that? I mean, McConnell was ranked fifth. I don't know. Put him in there with Edgar. Yeah, I, yeah I, I would be okay. I mean, Edgar's booked against Holloway, so that that's not going to be an option. Um, he, I don't think he gets next title shot. That's probably Alex uh, Volkanovsky. He probably has that one. So it kind of leaves him in this weird bubble. Um, a lot of people are calling for the Jose Aldo fight. It makes a lot of sense because of you know the way their first fight when Aldo was the top guy. That, is, that said, Aldo's coming off a loss. He's coming off a lot of losses, really. I mean, recently, I think he's lost something like three out of five or something like that. Um, the people, the person that I think would make a lot more sense would be the winner of Brian Ortega versus uh, Zabit Magomed Sharipov. I mean, both those guys would be coming off a mega win yeah. um, on the same card as Holloway and Edgar. And it kind of would put the next in line. It would be Edgar. That that night, Edgar, Edgar and Holly would decide the fate. Volkanovski would be the next, and then they would. You could actually put, uh, you know, the winner of Edgar and Holloway. I, I'm going to take Holloway. Holloway and Volkanovski put them on the card, and then on the same card, in case of an injury or something, the Korean Zombie and the winner of Ortega and Zabit. I mean, to me, that would just be perfect yeah. timing, line everything up. I think that's the way to go. And in a way, you could almost sort of fast-track Zabit. If Zabit wins, then he kind of, you know, the next fight, he's right there. Yeah, I like that. But I have another idea, and I'm going to leave that to the big finish, though. Okay. All right, let's move on to the co-main event. And just, just to uh, for housekeeping purposes, uh, the Korean Zombie was victorious in the first round uh, via TKO at 58 seconds of the first round. Co-main event. Keith Dana went looking for a fighter, and he found Randy Brown. However, since Brown has come into the UFC, he's been up and down Brown. The Mike Graves, Bilal Muhammad, and Nico Price losses, slowing his progression, or better put, maybe his ascension. Uh, Barbarina is a journeyman in, every, in all senses of the word, but he comes to bang. His fight with Vicente Luque is evidence of that. But tonight, these boys put on a good little fight, and Brown just looked crisper, especially in that third round. I was very surprised how well he took his corner's advice and went and got the finish. What did you see in this one? Uh, did it surprise you how Brown fought? Did you kind of expect it? He came in the underdog. What did you see? Yeah, I was very surprised. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, we talked about him getting that knockout loss when he was on top. Very embarrassing loss against Nico Price. And now put on up until uh, the Korean Zombie in the main event, I had him as my, like, whoa, big star of the night, Randy Brown. Um, he took out, you know, I, I agree with you what you're saying about Brian Barbarino as, as kind of a journeyman. I think that's a little bit of a loaded uh, word. I think gatekeeper is another one. There's so many ranges of what that means. But Barbarino's tough. And Barbarino's a guy that, um, you know, Kobe Covington couldn't, couldn't take him out. Leon Edwards couldn't take him out. I mean, they beat him, but they couldn't stop him. Uh, Vicente Luque probably needed a comfort behind victory in the, in the knockout with five seconds left in the fight. Randy Brown, I had him up two rounds to nothing, possibly one one, but I had him on two rounds to nothing, winning the third round, and then taking him out to me was what a performance. And, and it's how he did it. He stuck to a game plan. He stayed on the outside. He used his distance. Barbarino really struggled closing that distance. 
because Bob Marino always wants a, a brawl. He wants to get in the pocket. He wants to throw down. He wants to test, test the chin and basically test the toughness whose will will break. And he actually, Randy Brown actually broke Brian Barberino's will with the body shots at the end. Um, he could have coasted to a victory. Instead, he turned it up even higher, higher in the third round and get the TKO in. I mean, Randy Brown is one of those guys I think a lot of us wrote off. Now we say, whoa, I, that's a really good win by Randy Brown. And he could be a guy that we could see in the top 15 in the near future. It was a good win. And I think, again, I, I touched on this and I want to go back to it. I was just impressed with the way he handled his corner's advice because he was so plugged in. And he even said before he got off the stool, so no grappling. So we're done with the grappling. Like, that's how plugged in he was. He was, he was saying, okay, so I'm going to go out and do that. And then listen, maybe he just thought he was that much better than Barbarina that he could pull it off. And other fighters are a little bit closer when they get their advice. But because he went out there and, and literally de- delivered on exactly what they said. They said, listen, you'll, you'll take this fight. None of the preparation meant shit. Now that's, you know, probably a card you can only pull. Every once in a while, you can't tell a fighter every every fight the same motivational thing, but it worked tonight. So, um, so you got him. You got to move into the top fifteen. Is there anybody? You, you, no, 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 no. I don't. I don't have him moving into my top. I'm you're saying, saying someone, he can, he's someone who we could see in the future. Yeah, yeah. He's someone who could be yeah. in the top fifteen. Like you thought yeah. he was never going to be a top I mean, fifteen fighter at night. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It, I mean, it's the it's the deepest division. It's lightweight. Uh, um, I'm sorry, welterweight. That's an extremely deep division. Uh, so, no, I don't think he's going to be in the top 15 rankings when they come out on Wednesday. But one, two more wins, quality wins, he's definitely p- pushing himself up that ladder. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's one of those guys now that, you, you know, before I might not have cared so much about. Now I'm, I'm interested in seeing if he can continue to make these improvements. Yeah, and, like, and, and listen, MMA math is the, is the biggest – trap you can fall into when it comes to analyzing fights and fighters. But the bottom of that division, again, is, is Vicente Luque, uh, Elizu Dos Santos, Neil Magny, Damian Maya. I mean, I, based on this performance, I don't think he's as far away from them as we used to think he was. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Keith, I could give you the backstory, but let's just stick with that. These boys put on a little bit of a fight you will look the sharper fighter, but Dos Santos showed us he had a chin. Again, this is Andre Ewell defeating Anderson Dos Santos via unanimous decision, 29-28, 29-28, 29-27. Now, saying that Dos Santos has a nice chin is, a, is kind of a nice way of saying he spent three rounds getting cracked. Um, I left here high on Ewell and pleasantly surprised at Dos Santos. What you get out of this fight? I mean, they put on a nice little old-school banger to me. Yeah, it was a fun fight. It was a fight that I wasn't too interested in. Andre Yule, he's he's from California, but he's kind of uh, fought in the region that I'm very familiar with in New England. I've seen, I, I was there. They kept talking about his CES championship. I was there the night he won that title. I, was, I spoke to him. He's a guy that I kind of uh, I enjoy. Um, I shouldn't say I enjoy watching him, but he's a guy that you feel a little invested in. Uh, that said, I thought this was a great performance. Um, these guys were supposed to kick off the prelims because of the Rob Font, John Lineker fight getting canceled. It's what from the curtain jerker to the main card, third from the top. And, and I thought it delivered a back and forth fight. Um, but Ull, uh, Andre Ull, he was just too fast. I mean, his hands were fast. They were accurate. And, and I don't want to beat a dead horse. It was his vision again. He saw everything that was coming. He kept himself in range. He made him pay every single time Dos Santos threw stuff at him. He made him pay with a counter strike. Um, the one thing that really worries me about Ul, and he kept doing this in fight, he admires his work a lot. 
when he lands a shot, he likes to look at it. And, and I know that kind of conflicts what I'm saying about vision. Vision I'm talking about coming at you. What I'm worried about is, is he moves, pops, likes to look, likes to like enjoy that moment he's landing. Right. And against the wrong guy, they're going to they're gonna flatten him. Um, so once he fixed that, and I thought he showed uh, pretty good um, – Takedown defense, I mean, he got taken down in the third round, but I thought he handled it well against a high-level jiu-jitsu guy. Um, good win. Really good win by Andre Will. And I don't think these guys, either one of them, are, are near cracking the rankings. So uh, no. let's have a little fun with this. Um, I'll take the low-hanging fruit, Keith. Uh, how can you be named Anderson Dos Santos? I mean, you would think on paper that you have to be one of the greatest Brazilian fighters of all time with that name, right? That's kind of like being named Yeah, MMA. sure. I mean, if you name your kid Eminem Shakur, you'd like to think he can rap a little bit, right? Sure. <laughs> All to give your kid that name. So, no, I, I thought he represented himself well, in all honesty. Let's talk about him for a second. Uh, he came in there looking like, uh, you know, the love child of Anthony Kiedis and uh, Roger Huerta and, and Ian McCall. Somehow all those guys came together to make a baby. And um, I thought he represented himself well. I mean, did you think he was a little bit more hittable than he sh- – I mean, like I said, we're touting his chin, but – he kind of left him. Is it is it more that Yule uh, was was sharp, or that the Dos Santos kid was leaving himself available? I think Yule was sharp. Um, I think I, I, Anderson definitely is not a striker. Um, that's you could tell he's a grappler. That's his strength, and Yule made a punish for that. I mean, it's something that Andrew Lee, which we're going to get to next, he did the same thing to Montana. When you had the opportunity, he took it and he and he, and he exposed it that's a sign of a maturing fighter. That's a sign that he understands where his strength is and he needs to capitalize before it turns into a grappling matchup. And, but the biggest thing is just the athleticism. There was just some huge athleticism gap. Um, you've got a guy that kind of dual who relies on his speed and athleticism and a guy who Anderson, who kind of has to be a technician to get over his lack of speed and athleticism. And he couldn't make that up in this fight. Oh, we'll punish him. So the official uh, decision, it was unanimous decision, 29-28, 29-28, 29-27. That seems close. Did you have it that close? Yeah, I did because um, I gave Uwe very convincing rounds the first two. I don't think he did enough to get 10-8 rounds. And then I thought the takedown and the groundwork of Dos Santos in the third won in the round. But I thought it was one of those 29-28s that was pretty obvious, like, okay, yeah, it's 29-28, so it seems like a close fight, but Uwe really controlled most of that fight. Even the third round when Dos Santos got the takedown, he really didn't threaten with anything. Unlike Uwe, when he was landing on the feet, he looked like he might get the knockout at any minute. So it, it, it it's to me it was a convincing win, but the fight wasn't as close as the scorecards intended. All right, let's move on to Andrea Lee and Montana De La Rosa. Quickly before we go on, uh, I just want to call her MLDR. I don't know if that's just me. I used to call Oscar De La Hoya ODLH. Uh, okay, I understand the problems this presents because her husband, his name starts with them too, and then we got that. We had two cyborgs. Who the hell knows how many pit bulls? You know, I think that I'm, can, yeah. I'm just going to call her MLDR, and if it's a problem moving forward, then I'll deal with it. All right, let's move on to the fight. I thought this was a good little fight. Uh, it seemed like Lee was crisper. Uh, and that, to me, she seems like she's maybe a year or so ahead of MDLR. Uh, do you agree with that assessment? And yeah. I guess lastly, my question is, are these two the future of flyweight? And do you think we'll see them fighting for a belt someday? Or is there the future now? 
Like, are they are they a year or two away from the belt, and will they be there together? Um, I, I think, yeah, I think they both will be there together. I think that's also has to do with the the caliber of fighters at flyweight. It's Valentina Shevchenko, a hundred mile gap, and then everybody else. So I so when you talk about like for the last the last title challenger, Jessica I. Could these women beat Jessica? Possibly. Could Jessica beat them? Possibly. But to be in that range already, where I mean if and what would the line be between Jessica I and Andrew Lee? It'd be pretty close. Yeah. So to me, they're already right there. The difference in this fight is it was it was kind of um, booked as a striker versus grappler, but I believe Andrew Lee's grappling is better than Montana De La Rosa's striking, and that was the difference. Okay. When they when they both went into their worlds, Andrew Lee really won her world. When it was on the feet, she was winning. While Montana De La Rosa turned into a wrestling match, she wasn't always winning, or if it was. She'd get a takedown and Lee would pop right back up. And she'd use all this energy and not really – I mean, every other than that, I think at the very end of the second round, she didn't have a huge dominant position for very long. Angel Lee was making her work. And then they'd get back to the feet. It'd be 10, 12, 15 seconds. Angel Lee would pop up, up. she landed there, get taken down. But it was ne- she was never in trouble, and that's why she won the fight. Let's talk about the progression-regression game with this, with this division. So – do you see Andrea Lee and Montana De La Rosa? Let's use Lee because she she won. So her skills as they are, as they progress, do you think that in the time that it would take for her to catch or, or get near, like is she going to progress faster than Valentina Shevchenko or will she catch Shevchenko regressing, meaning in the next two years – is she going to be near her? Does she have the right skills that she needs? Does she continue to progress at the rate she has so far to get near her? Or is it like a John Jones situation where most of the division – I mean, I'm sure the gap between Shevchenko and Lee is not what the gap is between Jones and his division. But is it like that where she's that far ahead? Well, I think it's, it's one of these – if I got off my couch and started running, the, you know, if I ran a, a, a marathon. I couldn't run a marathon, but if I did, if I even walked a marathon, I could do it in, I don't know, 12 hours, whatever, whatever, a day, I don't know. But if I started training, the time I could cut off, I would cut hours off. Compare that to the top Kenyan guy in the world where he runs a marathon in an hour and a half. And he keeps training. And then the next time he runs, he runs in an hour and 20 minutes. He's like, oh, well, you did that training. You cut off two minutes. Like Keith cut off seven hours. But the gap between us is so huge right. that, that, yeah, like Valentina Shevchenko will improve more than Val- – that, I mean, sorry, uh, Andrew Lee will improve more than Valentina Shevchenko because the era for Valentina Shevchenko to improve is so small. It's like when you're as good as she is, it's not much error to improve. Well, Angel Lee, there's a lot of gaps to improve. Right. So, if Angel Lee, in simple terms for everybody, if on a scale of one to 10, if Angel Lee's a five and Shevchenko's a nine, right? Shevchenko only mm-hmm. has to go to 10, whereas Lee has all this other. Right, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, it, it's funny because out of the two of them, I actually think, my, even though she lost, I think Montana de la Rosa could be, the, be a bigger threat because. While I don't think she could take down Valentina Shevchenko, she may be a better straight wrestler than Valentina Shevchenko. 
may, and I'm saying that may because I don't know if she is. Right. But if she went to a, I think if, if Montana De La Rosa went to a to a Tiger Muay Thai, which obviously that's where Valentina Shevchenko. So that was not a perfect example. But if she went to one of these decorated striking places and worked on and just her striking and improved like Clear Roundtree just did. I actually think she could pass Andrew Lee because you see how close it is. I don't think Andrew Lee could make the same improvements in her wrestling like that De La Rosa could in her in her striking. Yeah, she could be a, a, a bigger threat. Listen, but I'm not saying either one. I don't think anybody touches Valentina Shevchenko for a very long time. Right. So she probably just kind of rides out her division and then maybe fights Nunes again? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're looking down the road, but yeah. yeah. When when Nunez has doesn't have any challenges left and right, they want to do a, th- it's hard to book a third fight when Nunez is up to nothing. Right, yeah, true. All right, let's move on, Keith. If memory serves, you love Kevin Holland and sing his praises any chance you get. I thought he looked good early, at least volume wise. Got out to a big lead and then let, and then let uh, Chirico pull him back. How do you see this fight and uh, and what do we have in Kevin Holland? Uh, to me, it was a snoozer. It's hard to get. Uh, that's that's. A, I think that's a second fight in a row for Kevin Holland. That was a very close fight that could have went either way, and he got the decision. He's kind of like the opposite of Courtney Casey, where Courtney Casey gets in close fights and always loses the close decision, other than the Angel Hill fight. Kevin Holland's like the opposite side, where he wins it. Um, he hurt his shoulder. I think that was obviously apparent. Uh, the whole third round, he didn't throw his right hand. He was just he was just fighting off of kicks and a little bit of grappling. Uh, that said, I think uh, to Chirico, even though I scored for him, I gave him two rounds to one. I think he he blew a golden opportunity to pick up a win over Kevin Holland because Kevin Holland was pretty defenseless on the right side in the third round. The fight was terrible. I mean, it was boring. It was slow pace. I'm going to give Holland like an out for it, kind of like, hey, dude, you 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 possibly dislocated shoulder with torso, whatever. He clearly was injured to fight through that and get a win is impressive, so I'm going to kind of give him an excuse. But the trash talk after him, too, was better than the fight when the fight ended. And just yeah. the, the chair, oh, like, like, come on, dude. I'll give you, I'll give you a come on. Like, don't get in dude's face and be like, yeah, you're talking, what's up now? And then throw 15 strikes that round. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, you didn't knock him out cold. They'll get in his face and then lose a decision. Makes it even, look even worse. Like, that's, that's terrible. And it's weird because we don't see a lot of that in this sport. You know, we'll see certain unwritten rules broken in other sports, like, you know, guys, uh, you know, celebrating when they're down three touches yeah. or whatever. You typically don't see guys that don't act uh, appropriately in MMA. It's one of the better things about the fight, about the fight game. All right, let's move on to the prelims. Uh, Danny Gay defeated Kevin Aguilar via unanimous decision 29-28, 29-28, 29-28. Uh, this was a great fight, man. I enjoyed this fight a lot. It was. It was um, a good fight. And Danny Gay did something in the post-fight that we'll get to and not for nothing. But um, <laughs> what you see in this one? Yeah, we, it was a really good fight. Was, was I, I felt like neither one of them lost anything in this. It's one of those fights where you get to the end and you feel like both mm-hmm. guys sort of won in a sense because they both had great fights. I mean, I'm not a moral victory guy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that, you know, if I'm Sean Shelby, I'm going, ah, I'm about this kid Aguilar. I mean, he just put on yeah. It wasn't. It was a good fight. And it, I, to me, I think it just talked more about Danny Ige, how good of a fighter he is. Because I picked Aguilar. I thought Aguilar was going to win fairly easily. He didn't. Ige put on a really good performance. Ige has really improved since that loss to uh, Julio Arce. He just he looks like a completely different fighter. Uh, fun action fighter. I was surprised how well he did on the feet, and he probably won the feet, uh, the exchange of feet. And it's funny because Aguilar probably won the ground, and it was kind of booked the opposite. 
where Ige was supposed to be the, have the advantage on the ground and Aguilar was supposed to have the advantage on the feet, and it was kind of opposite. Um, it was a really back-and-forth fight. The problem is I wished I watched this closer because at the same exact time on Bellator's main event, Gegard Musasi and um, Rafael Lovato Jr. was going on at the same time. So I was kind of paying attention to the Bellator title fight more than I was paying attention to this one. It kind of sucks because this was such a good fight. Too bad the timing wouldn't have been during the Holland fight. Right. It's close. It is what it is. It was a close fight. It was fun. I watched uh, – I got to watch about the second half of the second round on. So without any interrupt. The first half I was kind of watching Bellator peek in, peek in. I had both going. I had UFC on TV, Bellator on my computer, trying to look at both. But I did – one I did give more focus on to the Bellator, which was another fun fight. If you haven't seen the Bellator main event, that was a fun uh, fight between uh, Gegu Masasi and uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. So somewhere someone's listening to this and they're just saying, listen, we do we do what the hell we want on this uh, thing, so we're going to make <laughs> a departure. Uh, talk to me about that fight. That was fantastic. It was fantastic. How'd Lovato uh, get it? How'd Lovato go ahead, go ahead and get that belt? Talk to he, just, he was a better wrestler. He was a better grappler. And he used – he kept uh, – he kept shooting on a single. Um, Musasi was whizzering him down, and he was still rolling through, grabbing the single, finishing the takedown, and out grappling Musasi. Um, um, he was, I think, he was a net, like a plus three fifty, something stupid underdog. And I'm like, I remember seeing like, have you seen Lavov? This guy is like, he's as legit of a, he's as legit of a black belt as they come. He's a very high-level black belt, but he's also a solid wrestler to go along with it. There's, there's a le- if you can be, you could be a high-level jiu-jitsu guy with no wrestling on the jiu-jitsu scene. You can't in MMA, and he has that style. That's why I predicted him to win. I went with the big upset. I, I I'm glad I landed it. Um, he won the first two rounds. The third round, there was a terrible. I can't believe Musasi didn't get a point taken away. He ended up grabbing the cage in the third round to stop a takedown. Um, Lovato ended up getting him down anyways, so there was no point taken. But if there was ever a time where a point should be taken, it probably should have been during this fight. Um, but uh, Lovato started slowing down. Musasi started picking him apart in the third and fourth, really establishing the jab, not really committing to anything, not really landing any big, huge power shots, just keep winning the rounds. Came down to the fifth round. I had a dead even two to two. And Lafado just dug deeper. He got the takedown, and once he got him down, he rolled the rest of the round out. In my opinion, he won three three rounds of two, and the judges agree with me. Two, right, out, of three, two out of the three judges agree with me. One of them went with a draw, I believe. But. All right, well, I'll check that out, and then uh, maybe we'll, we'll chop it up a little bit more. I, I do want to talk to you a little, about, a little bit more about Bellator, but we'll get to that later. All right, let's yeah. get back to the UFC. Um, so... Ashley Yoder defeated Siori Kondo via unanimous decision, 30-26, 30-25, 30-24. These cards, to me, are very representative of what we're looking at. I mean, she looked good. She looked good in the fight. She sounded good in the post-fight. I, I don't know, man. If you didn't know MMA and you were just kind of peeking in and you were like, you would think this girl was, was going places, and I'm not saying that she's yeah. not. But what would you see? Am I, am, I, am I overrating her performance based on opponent or, or what? I, I mean, I really was impressed with her. Well, I don't know, because she definitely had, had an impressive performance. Now, if you're going to start saying, hey, is she a top 15 fighter? Is she is she someone that could fight for a title? Then you're overrating it. If you go, hey, I didn't think Ashley Yoder was that good, and 
You know, she just coming off a win over Amanda Bobby Cooper, which is a pretty solid win. And now just took out Sherry Condit. Didn't just take her out, but beat the brakes off of her. I mean, she beat the piss out of her. Um, yeah, it, she looked good. I mean, she's she, – and a lot of people will argue that she should have got the win over Mackenzie Dern. So, I mean, you, when you start putting these together, you definitely see big improvements in Ashley Yoder. If this fight was booked a year and a half ago, I don't know if she wins this fight. You know, or their links in the conversation, we don't know. And you can see the difference, the, the growth she's grown since then, and Kondo hasn't. And a really good win from Yoder, and I'd like to see how they're going to match her up going forward. I mean, it, uh, I, I, I don't know if – yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know what to really say. She had a game plan. Her game plan was to get the fight to the ground. She had a, a grappling advantage, and she clearly showed it. She, I mean, she took her down and pounded her. All right, I'm going to give you three names because uh, I'm looking at her topology rankings. Well, go, she's, not, she's not yet ranked by yeah, the UFC, yeah. so I'm so looking at topology. So I'm going to give you three names Okay, you know uh, which ones are crazy. Before, before you give me the three names, All right. pick out who you think the hottest one is, and that's the one the UFC will pick. <laughs> well, because they like to put – I think Ashley Gold is a very attractive young lady, and they like to put attractive young ladies against each other. That's yeah. where they go. I will tell you who I would go with once you give me the three names. All right, so the three that I'm looking at here are, um, I guess there's kind of a, four, a fourth that I think you might pick. Okay. So we'll start with um, uh, Pollyanna Viana. Okay. Then we have Angela Hill. Okay. Courtney Casey and Felice Herrick. They're not right next to her in the rankings. Yeah. They're all free, and they're all about – so a couple of them are huge jumps. Viana is ranked right next to her on topology, but the other three are a little bit higher. Yeah, I kind of feel like she's past Viana. Uh, Angela Hill's coming off another lo- loss. And Angela Hill can make a little bit of sense. They're all coming off losses. Felice Herrig, it, it really comes down to the UFC. Do the UFC really uh, – do they view Ashley Yoder as a possible top 10 person that they could build, either either become a contender or build other contenders off of her? Then the Felice Herrig makes fight, sense. And what was the fourth one? Oh, Courtney Casey. I think Courtney Casey's a really good. She's kind of she's not in that top fifteen rank. Or she maybe she might be the very bottom half of the top fifteen, but she's kind of that gap between contender and and not not even worth like putting a promotion back. She's kind of like that. If you can beat Courtney Casey, you're probably a top ten person. If you can't right. beat Courtney Casey, you're not. I think Courtney Casey. I think that would be a really good and that's a tough matchup stylistically. It's a, a Casey. Um, Kish is a good striker, but she's a really bad wrestler. So. Yeah, and everybody above Felice Herrick for me was just kind of like either booked or unrealistic. So it's like Randa Marcos, Carolina Kowalkowit, um, uh, Calvillo, yeah. uh, Tisha Torres. Al- that's when you're starting to get like she's not ready for them yet. I yeah. think that Felice, Courtney, Angela, she could maybe get in there and have a good night against well, Kovacavich is coming. I think when she come out three three losses in a row now. Yeah. So they could they could bump her all the way up to there. Certainly fits your criteria. She's but I like, the court, I like the Courtney Casey. I think that fight fits perfect, especially because I still think Casey would have a striking advantage. I think she'd have physicality. Man, she's a really big strawweight. But Yoda would probably have the ground. I mean, Casey's uh, kryptonite has always been her ground game, and Yoda has been showing against Amanda Bobby Cooper and now against uh, – Sari Kondo, she's a good grappler. Uh, she's a good wrestler. She said it in her post fight. I'm a wrestler now, so there's definitely a way she could win. That's why I like that matchup because I don't know who I would pick. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on. Luis Pena defeated the uh, on-again, off-again uh, present Matt Wyman via TKO round one, uh, 114. Um, I got more to say about this fight a little bit later, but um, Pena fights Wyman, who we haven't seen in a while. Um, he looked good. Pena did. What, what do you take from this? I mean, it was an early cut, so that obviously changed the, the course of the fight. Uh, Morgliata couldn't believe they were keeping the fight going. But, you know, you're in South Carolina. You're never there. The South Carolina doctor, South Carolina commission, they probably just want things to – I mean, that, it's not like Vegas where they see this stuff all the time. So it could go one of two ways. Either they're – less corrupt because they don't have fights there all the time or they're less apt to really understand what they're looking at as far as stopping fights and all that. So what do you think of Payne's performance and what do you take away from this? Anything? Well, I mean, you mentioned Matt Wyman was, has been, hasn't fought in the UFC in five years. He hasn't fought at all in five years. And he's going against a young prospect like Lewis Payne, a guy that was had a good showing on the ultimate fight show guy who actually had a lot of hype before he ended up, he ended up losing to, um, Oh, who did the guy that the guy who won the show? Um, I forgot who I kid. Trezano. Uh, yeah, yeah, Trezano. Yeah, he had, before he lost to Mike Trezano, he kind of had a lot of hype. And to me, this was just kind of looked like a training day for Pena. Like when you're like, "Hey, we need we need uh, to get the our big guy some rounds in." Hey, let's bring in the new guy from the gym, or let's bring in the guy that's let's bring in the amateur fighter to, to go a couple rounds with a pro, build the guy's confidence. That's what it looked like because Matt Wyman was no match for him. He doesn't look like he's anything left in him. He's going to get hurt because of his own toughness because he is obviously extremely tough. I mean, he took a beat, and and I think his corner should have stopped that fight. I think the doctor should have stopped that fight. It goes back to what we talk about is having to save fighters from themselves. Someone needs to save Matt Wyman from himself. Um, I think he's like 35 or 36 now. 35, yeah. Yeah, he's 35, but he's an old 35. He had a lot of wars back in the day. He hasn't fought in a while. He had that. He had a back injury, is why he was out for a long time. It's time for him to retire. Yeah, I agree, and I, I like your analogy. I'll, I'll take it one step further. It reminded me of in a gym a guy who used to fight and is now a striking coach, and you're gonna yeah. let your guy spar with him because yeah, Wyman has some. You know, Wyman beat Ike Valley Flag, and Wyman beat Matt Danzig. Why don't you hop yeah. in with Luis and do a couple rounds with him, even though he hasn't really yeah. – that's what it reminded me of. And, and, that's, and that's how it played out. So, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to say here. I don't know that uh, – does Payne really take anything from this? But, 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 yeah. He gets a paycheck. Yeah. Gets, gets to build a little more uh, experience. He gets a big – you know, not a big name, but he gets a decent name on his resume. When he retires, he's like, oh, I mean, Matt Wyman, that guy had, you know, how many wins he had. I don't know how many wins he had in the UFC. But, you know, he's a 10 – UFC veteran or whatever, you know, whatever he said. Not a nobody, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a, it's one of those, it's like when guys who beat up DJ Penn now, they get to have that name on their resume right. for the rest of their life. Not that Matt Wyman carries the name that BJ Penn does, but, you know, it's a good win. And yeah. it gives him good, gives him uh, cage time, which is always good in a young fighter's career. And, you one know, of those, it's one of those where you look at the resume and you don't have the context. Like, oh, yeah. You know, your yeah. kid goes, Matt oh, Wyman. Oh, there you go. All right, let's yeah. move on. Uh, yeah. The great Alan Crowder was back in an octagon. Uh, not for long, though. He fought Jairzinho Rosenstruck and was knocked out quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, probably the fastest – I think they said the fastest KO in heavyweight history. Yeah, something like 10 seconds. He was out of there quickly. So is there anything – did, did they put Crowder in here in the hopes that he would maybe pick up a win and then be like, oh, well, because he fought Hardy, right? That's where I remember him from. 
Yeah, no. I oh, think Hardy, were they trying to bolster him or just throw another? No, I actually, I actually think they might have been doing the opposite. Like, hey, you got a legally need. You decided not to continue to fight. Hardy lost because you didn't decide not to fight. Hey, his his this decorated uh, kickboxer who has huge power, who's undefeated. Hey, go fight him. Go wow. fight the guy. That not many people are signing up for. I think it might have been a punishment. And oh, wow. did he get punished? The whole fight was they touch gloves. Credo went in to throw a punch. He got he got met with a jab, fell down, and then when he went down, uh, Rosenstruck threw a, a hammer down from the top position and out cold. That's the whole fight. Ten seconds. There you go. All right, let's move on. Molly McCann defeated the Queen of Violence, the other Queen of Violence, Arian Lipsky via the unanimous decision. 30-27, I've always liked McCann. I think she's a good fighter, but I I, I was a little surprised by this. Were you? Yeah, I thought Lip- uh, uh, Lipsky would win this fight. It's a really poor performance from her. She has such a huge range. She doesn't know how to use it. It's it, it's kind of like a Steph- – not not that she's that tight as Stefan Stroop, but the kind of that, that Stefan Stroop thing where they have this huge range and they don't use it. You're like, man, you're letting Molly McCann, who's – you know, I, I think she might be a little bit better than we've given her credit for, but you're letting Molly McCann easily get inside of you and throw power shots. And the difference she made, McCann looked like someone who knew they were in the MA fight and was trying to win. And Lips- uh, Lipsky looked like a, a girl that was kind of sparring. Like, hey, I'm sparring with my teammate. And she didn't seem like she wasn't sitting on any of the shots, wasn't generating any power. And McCann was completely opposite. He was looking to rip her head off. And so for that Lips- was a big difference. Her, her reputation sort of preceded her coming into the UFC, but now this is two unanimous decision losses to, um, I don't want to say girls that aren't great, but um, she's Call not. Caldwell's good. Caldwell's good. Well, I mean, no, I don't, I'm, not, I'm saying I don't want to discredit them, but I'm saying yeah. when I look at her resume, there's nothing great on it except for the fact that there were finishes. Mm-hmm. And yet now that she's – she, has she just hit her ceiling? Is she young? Does she, has she not been at Kings long enough? Like what do you think is – I think it might be a little bit of all, all of what you're saying. Uh, I think, you know, I wouldn't write her off. She's still very young. She has talent. She just needs a lot of grooming. She might need a step down. She might need to face a a a bottom of the battle UFC level types, which is really surprising because when the the uh, scouting report on her was this is a future challenger for the title. Like there were a lot of, I mean, I think she was favored against Coldward in her UFC debut. Right. And now she's losing to Molly McKinn. And like I said, I actually think Molly McKinn might be better than we give her credit for because I think she's had two good showings. She was two, she was an underdog two fights in a row and pulled off upsets fairly easily two fights in a row. Um, but yeah, let's just a really poor performance. This, and I actually think she looked better against Joanne Caldwell in the debut than she did tonight against Molly McCann. In, in, about, in what I think is a step down in competition. Let's talk about fighter management in terms of who they face. Um, was Calderwood too good to debut against the UFC? Should they have just thrown her somebody that where she could look good? And- well, it's it's just one of those hindsight is twenty twenty thing. It's one of those nobody was saying. Everyone's saying when she got booked against Joanne Calderwood, everyone was saying, "Oh man, that's a tough fight in your first UFC debut." But nobody was saying, "Oh, that's a wipeout." Nobody was saying, "Oh, that's oh she's gonna get." A lot of people were picked. Picking her to win, like, oh, that's good. It makes sense. You beat her, boom, you you get the next fight up. Maybe you fight uh, Liz Carmouche, boom, you get that win, boom, you're in the title fight. And, you know, she was kind of on that, sh- that you know, short road to the title. Three, two, three fights, you're fighting for the title. Right. And there wasn't any people 
you know, there are people saying, oh, you know, you'll find someone on Twitter saying, oh, I knew she sucked. I knew she wasn't that good. Um, but she was good. I mean, she – There's fought. no way to know. Yeah. Yeah, so – now, it, it's one of those now. ones when we look back now, it's easy to say they weren't ready. It's like when Darren Till fought for the UFC title, it's easy to say, oh, he wasn't ready. Well, we didn't really know it at the time. But Francis Nagano lost to Steven Miocic. We didn't know he wasn't ready. You know, it's, right, but I guess my, my question with someone like this is now that we have the Calderwood loss, we have the McCann loss, now does this mean that the next fight that she has, she's carrying that burden? And yeah. have they done – you know what I'm saying? Have they put her in a bad spot? Does she almost maybe have to leave and come back? Or do you think they just throw her at someone that they know that she can – I mean, you can say this, but do you just go and – do you go and go get somebody like you're getting – Yeah, or, yeah like, I think so. Or Jake Hager. You know what I'm saying? Do you need to get somebody like that to get her back on the winning ways? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have to go all the way down to, like, bartender at Chili's, but – <laughs> but you kind of kind of have to go. You got to go scraping the barrel at the at the women's flyweight division. Um, uh, it's let's remember this. She was a KSW champion. She wasn't the you know Spartan Challenge champion. She was a champion of a very good uh, promotion. So there's a reason why she had hype. You know, it wasn't just hey, you know, she's a good looking chick. <laughs> you know, right. it was she. She's a skillful fighter. So. Um, it seemed like when they booked her against McCann, even now, no one was saying like, oh my God, Molly McCann, that's a tough fight. It was, oh yeah, okay, so she wasn't ready for Caldwell. Let's get a rebound against Molly McCann. And then after she rebounds against Molly McCann, you know, we'll throw her against an Alexis Davis or Montana De La Rosa or something like that where she could right. bounce back. So Molly yeah. McCann was supposed to be the bounce back fight. Yeah, so yeah. now, to me, you got to dig even lower now. I mean, you're talking, uh, I don't know. Ugh, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at, at girls, and I'm like, man, that's a, that, she might not win that fight. She might not win that. Like, uh, Ji Young Kim, who lost, uh, she, you know, she got beat up by Antonina Shevchenko. Could she, could she beat her? She should, but will she for sure? I don't know. Like, you might have to go down – I mean, Lauren Mueller, she might beat her. Rachel Oss, I mean, I could see them do Rachel Osvich, you know, too. I think. <laughs> I, I think. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, Rachel Osvich is booked against Veronica Macedo, another good looking chick, of course. Um, but I think Ariel Lipisky is extremely good looking. Like, they, I could see them wanting to put Lipisky in, in, in Osvich or the loser of that fight. But man, you might have to go even further. Like a Kalinda Farry has lost three times, though she's lost to good fighters. That that still might. I don't, man. I don't know, man. You have to go real, real. I'm trying to find somebody that's like, yeah, she'd win that fight. Uh, I mean, Justine Keish might beat her now. Uh, that's tough. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I like the Lauren Mueller fight. I mean, if you're going for, I, I don't know that she. Would I I got one. I got one for her. go against Priscilla Ketchaware, the girl who got absolutely destroyed by Valentina Shevchenko, and uh, she she's oh and she got beat up by Molly McCann bad. She got beat up by Luana Carolina. Um, she's zero and three in the UFC. She's not very good, but she's tough, which could kind of put her in a fight where the Piskey's picking her apart, kind of get a little hype back for her because you could put on like a. 30 26 performance type thing. 
Yeah. Um, but if she loses that fight, oh, so who knows? Well, I guess we'll have to see. All right, let's move on to yeah. the opener. Uh, Darren Wynn defeated – or Deron Wynn defeated Eric Spicely via unanimous decision 29-28, 29-28, 29-28. Um, I don't know, man. I, you know, I've had some, some, some battles with Darren Wynn on Twitter, so I'm a little biased. Really? But, yeah, we, I, I said something about Golden Boy or some, some shit. But um, that's either here or there. Um, but my point <laughs> is, is that I, I expected more out of this fight. And I'll get to that in my not for nothing, but I don't know, man. I just thought he was going to come in and just, and just wipe this guy out based on how, who he trains with, what he, how he purports himself to be. Sure, sure. I just, I was expecting more. And Spicely took this fight on short notice, right? Wynn was without a, yeah, and, and you know what? And, and listen, I'm going to defend. Spicely took it on a week's notice. I'm going to defend Wynn in this way. Anytime they say a fighter takes a fight on short notice, so does the other guy. Just because he's training, uh, won't it change? You, you, I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna disagree with that because of the training, right? Well, it's, he was in the camp. It's it's if you're if you're not if I'm trading for a uh, or five k and you're not trading for a five k, and then they say to me, "Yeah, you're trading for a five k, but you know we're gonna throw a couple of obstacle costs stuff in, like like you do these. Uh, what do they call them? Like." Spartan races okay. and stuff like that. Yeah, it makes it more difficult. But you were still. But training. I still was training for a race right. compared to the guy coming off. Like I should still win. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Um, but no, it definitely makes it tougher. And, but in, in a sense, it could, in some ways, it could make it easier depending who you get matched with. I actually think the Spicely matchup is why you might not be not impressed because going against Eric Spicely, he's going to have to abandon his wrestling because of how good Spicely is in grappling. Really, the only way Spicely could win is in the grappling. So Win would have to kind of stand and bang. I thought he, his, his cardio looked great. I thought his pocket boxing looked really good. Um, but when he got hurt, he actually shot for a second, which I was like, I thought Spicely blew it. Um, I thought when he shot in on the hips on Spicely, I thought Spicely just either went for a guillotine or just fell to his back and kind of tried to work off his back in submission because right. he needed a stoppage. I remember sitting next to Nolan King at uh, Spicely's last win when he knocked out uh, Cal Magalhaes, and I said, that actually might be a bad thing. And I said, because Spicely is a grappler and he just got a knockout and he might be looking for knockouts now. And while I think especially shown, again, big improvements in his striking, which obviously is a good thing, he needed to shoot for takedowns, especially as Wynn started getting tired. Now, obviously, Wynn is a much more decorated wrestler. He might not get him down. But if he gets him down, now Spicely's in the era where he has his best chance of winning, especially in the third round. When he was trying to knock him out instead of even pulling guard, shooting for a single, rolling to a knee, whatever, getting, making a grappling exchange, I really thought Spicely was giving the way because he started falling in love with his, with his uh, hands. Okay, here's my pushback. Is, is Wynn always going to be at the mercy of his size? And I think it, it is a major issue. It's a major Spicely put 108 strikes on his face or uh, on him, right? So uh, it looks like 90 to the head, 17 to the body, one to the legs. So um, is that always going to be an issue for him? Meaning if, I, if he gets in there with a grappler that's got all right hands, Mm. is he going to get busted up like this in every fight? And at what point yeah. is that going to take a toll on him? Yeah, it's going to be a huge, I mean, especially the knees. I mean, you saw in this match, Spicy was landing the knees a lot. 
and it was one of those when he when he landed his first knee, I was like, man, he's in that he's he's so short at middleweight. And remember, this guy used to fight a light heavyweight, which is even crazier to think yeah. that he's moved down to middleweight. I think he's moved down again. Uh, it doesn't look like he has a lot of area to move down. He doesn't look like he's got a lot of fat on his body. He's just one of these guys. He's kind of solid, so he probably won't ever get down lower. Uh, but that's going to hurt him, and especially a guy who gets a good plum clinch and, and beats him up. But the numbers I still think is deceiving because of the fight he had to fight Spicely. And I don't. I think other fights he'll use his grappling if he if he goes against a guy who's. I mean. The biggest threat for Spicely is the grapple. Why get in the exchange? If you can win the stand-up, why even test it? Now, Wynn might have been able to take Spicely down, win the grappling with his wrestling, stall him out, win, hit Lance and ground and pound, but why give him the, even the chance of winning? Um, so, from what, from what I can tell about a guy like Wynn, it seems to be like he's one of these guys where they are saying, if you squint, you'll see Daniel Cormier. I don't see that, squinting or not squinting. I don't think that Daniel Cormier – would have debuted the first fight of the night. I, I don't know, man. I don't see this yeah. guy as a championship-level guy. Am I missing yeah. something? Well, I, I mean, to me, the, the comparison – Way too early? I, I see where the comparisons are. I mean, he's a wrestler. He's um, – Carries himself that way. Short. He's short. Uh, Cormier was always short. Right. Um, but then there's also that, like, to me, the lazy comparisons, like – they're both black. I mean, no one wants to say that, but that's what they're thinking. And they're both light-skinned black. They both come from the same camp. Like, there's like the lazy comparisons. Right. It's like when people were comparing Bevan Lewis to, Derek, to John Jones. Why? Because they're both tall, lengthy uh, fighters from the same gym. But their styles of fighting is so different. But they kind of have kind of similar physiques. They both have long arms, and they're both black. So let's call them the next John Jones. It's, 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 to me, it's a lazy comparison. And it's also an unfair comparison. Like this week, Phil Hawes, I was at Madison Square Garden. People, and remember when Phil Hawes was supposed to be the next John Jones because he trained with John Jones? Yeah. He was black. You put it, you set a standard on these guys. There's like five or six guys you should just not compare fighters to. It's just so unfair. Don't compare them to John Jones, George St. Pierre, Demetrius Johnson, Fedor, Daniel Cormier, Anderson Silver. Like it's just so. You know, there's a couple other guys, George St. Pierre, you know, whoever. It's just like the standard is so high that nothing this guy's. I mean, you ha this guy has to go down to be an all-time great or he's going to be considered a bust. I, I don't I mean, know. If he wins a UFC title, say, say he wins a UFC title. Right. But he only defends about one time. He's going to be considered a bust because Daniel Cormier is one of the greatest of all time. He's in the debate of greatest of all time. Like True. And I, 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 listen, I'm not comparing him as much – to Cormier at present. I just don't remember Cormier ever being average. And this guy feels average. You know what I mean? Like from, from the time, I would say I was first aware of Cormier when he fought um, Devin Cole. And I just felt like he was this guy that was just that much better than everybody else. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm you know, having a little bit of revisionist history with him. But I don't know. I just don't see in – win and not that he has to be Daniel Cormier. I'm just saying I don't see a championship pedigree in Darren Wynn. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, the, the when you compare the wrestling, the level of wrestling Daniel Cormier, I mean it's you're talking about a guy that was in the Olympics, you're talking about a guy that was yeah. uh, you know, he took second in the nation, but it went against Kale Sanderson, which means he probably would have been first in the nation. I mean he's the, the it's it's just to me it's so unfair to compare a guy to I mean I'm I, 
I remember when there was a there's a baseball player. I played fantasy baseball. Byron Buxton was compared to Willie Mays, and it's like, dude, no matter <laughs> what this guy does, he's going to be considered a bust, no matter what. Right. It's it's like LeBron James. Like he came in, he's supposed to be the next Jordan. And I think some people would say he is the next Jordan, but a lot of people could say, oh, he's not Jordan. He'll never be Jordan. I got that's, you. Here's the that's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Dave yeah. Cormier, remember they used to do these tests on the SAT, this is to this, like that is to that? Yeah. So Daniel Cormier is to – or Deron Wynn is to Daniel Cormier, like Harold Miner is to Michael Jordan. Baby Jordan, the guy that's – Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Harold Miner. Let's get to the fun stuff. Trending up, trending down. I have trending up Randy Brown. It isn't that Randy Brown won. It's what his corner told him to do and how he translated that into something. Some quick violence to finish Bam Bam – Barbarina, who's not easy to finish. Trending down, I have the Queen of Violence, Ari Lipsky. The fact that it took us so long to find an opponent we were confident she could beat has her trending down. You're up. Yeah, I actually agree with both your picks. I added a couple other ones in. The Korean Zombie, after the knockout, he has to be trending up. And um, Jarazino Rosenstruck, 10-second knockout. <laughs> I mean, that's that's obviously in the heavyweight division. It's going to get him a lot of – uh, a lot of buzz trending down. Lepisky was top of my list. Brian Barrino's lost two fights in a row by knockout. That's never a good look. And and Moicano is on back to back losses. Like I said, this is a guy who's going to fight for the title. Now he's on back to back losses, both by knockout. Not a good look. I was brought not for nothing. I'll start with my friend. We were just speaking about a second ago. Not for nothing, but Darren Wynn. I hear you saying how great you are, but great fighters don't let Eric Spicely bust their face up like that. And moving on, not for nothing, Dan Ige, don't tell me you're not the kind of guy that calls people out and then call out Bryce Mitchell. Not for nothing, <laughs> but <laughs> not for nothing, but his mama call him Chan Sung Jung. I'm going to call him Chan Sung Jung. I get it. He's more recognizable as the Korean zombie, but the guy has a name. He's not Carrot Top, for Christ's sakes. Let's not turn him into a circus. And lastly, not for nothing, but don't take Matt Wyman out of mothballs. To convince me, Pena is an improving fighter. He looked good, but I don't know what I have in him because his opponent hasn't fought in five years. Keith, you're up. Yeah, I'm going to start right away. Not for nothing. MMA is hard enough to figure out where you're going to find the UFC. Can we not switch from ESPN2 to ESPN on the very last minute? It's hard enough to find where it is. Can, can, can we just please get it on one thing and stay there? Uh, not for nothing, and this is for all commentators, can we not compare people striking to Mike Tyson? Michael Bisping did this with Darian Wynn. Uh, not for nothing, a prime Mike Tyson would have knocked out Eric Spicely in a, in a, in a boxing match. And Darian uh, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, MMA, I think they both would kill Tyson, but I'm talking just strictly striking. Not for nothing, Ariana Lepisky is one of the most attractive women in MMA possibly the most attractive, but she's got to do something with that side ponytail thing. Like, get rid of that. Like, just go with the regular ponytail, not the one hanging out the side of your head. Uh, not for nothing, Dan Ige, uh, congrats on the win, but you don't have to give this big speech about digging deep and when, when things are going bad in life, think about how he dig deep against Kevin Aguilar. I don't think people, when, when, when you're going through divorce, or <laughs> – I don't think you're going to be thinking, oh, you know what? If Dan Ike could pull through against Kevin Aguilar, round three of UFC <laughs> I can get through Greenwich, this. I can get through this. Or when I get fired from my job and I can't pay my bills, well, you know, Dan Ige dug deep against Kevin Aguilar. UFC Greenwich, I can do it. And, and my last one, I didn't go dig deep. I was, I was really distracted this one. So my last one, 
UFC, not for nothing. If you're going to go to South Carolina, I believe this was the first time. If you're going to go to South Carolina for the first time, can you at least make sure Stephen Thompson is healthy to, to headline a card in South Carolina yeah. with the biggest MMA star in the history of South Carolina on your roster? Like they totally blew the blue with that one. Stephen Thompson should 100% been on this card. All right, let's move on to Shocker of the Night. My Shocker of the Night, honestly, was the, the speed with which uh, the zombie finished Moicano. That surprised me how quickly he wiped him out. What do you got? Yeah, that was uh, – I was 100% what I was going to say, the same thing, how uh, I picked Moicano to win. I wouldn't have been shocked if the zombie to win, but the way he did it was shocking. Just to mix it up, I'll pick another one. The way Randy Brown looked tonight, I thought that was impressive how he smashed Brian Burr. I don't think anybody – I think some people might have picked Bernie Brown to win. I don't think anybody expected to be that one-sided. All right, let's move on to From the Notebook. Um, you know, I was listening to Fitzgerald and Bisbing, and I don't, I don't hate them, but I, I, this is what I thought when I heard listen to these two guys because there's such great chemistry with all the other combinations of, of uh, commentating teams that these two just seem a little awkward. Brendan Fitzgerald and Michael Bisbing are like brothers-in-law and the wife slash sister really wants them to get along but it's just not happening. Like she tells him to go do shit together and they should go fishing and, oh, you know, Michael, Michael likes sports too. You guys should go go to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and watch a game and it's just not happening. These two just are not happening, man. It doesn't matter what they do. They don't dislike each other, but there's just not chemistry. Sure, sure. I think it might get better. I think it might get better. They're the, both good. The only thing I really enjoyed from Michael Bisming tonight was uh, – in the Andre Ewell fight where he started making fun of Anderson Del Santos corner saying like, yeah, great advice. Hey, maybe we should take him down. Like that when he was making fun of the corner, that was pretty good for Michael Bisbing. Dude, another thing I didn't put on here, but now we're talking about Andre Ewell and Michael Bisbing. I think he called Randy Brown, Andre Ewell at the end of the fight when he was saying, uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I think he called him Andre. Ewell. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> uh, I may, I may be recycling this one. The more I read it, this next one, I may be recycling it. The ref of the main event, uh, Blake Grice, Looks like Jorah Mormont from Game of Thrones, and he's a handsome son of a bitch. I've never said that before, but there you go. If I did, Blake, good for you. You got it twice. <laughs> lastly, uh, dude, this translator for the zombie was struggling. Yeah. I don't know what country she is affiliated with, but it is not South Korea. She is like yeah. – she speaks the language natively, and whatever zombie speaks is what her Rosetta Stone was because that was not very uh, fluid. That was not fluid, fluent. <laughs> it was a, it was a struggle. And yeah. it makes them they're like, I, I, are you expecting me to translate this shit? I don't know. What, I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> you fi find out she's not even from Korea. She's from like Texas or something. They just found some Asian lady. Exactly. They're just profiling. <laughs> she must be Korean. She looks it. Are <laughs> right, you got anything? Yeah. Um, well, we took a talk about who should deserves to be cut. Yeah. Hit me with that. Okay. What do you think? I'm sorry. What? Hit me with that. All right. Uh, it was a fun fight, but now he's 0-2 in the UFC, and he kind of got smashed in both fights. I think Anderson Dos Santos should get his walking papers. Uh, Suri Kondo has lost three in a row and got a break speed off by, a, you know, probably still considered a low-level fighter in Ashley Yoda. She should, uh, she should go back to the Japanese circuit. And Matt Wyman, I don't think he should be cut. I hope he just retires and does it for you. But if not, you kind of have to take him out of his misery and cut Matt Wyman. Just get him a job over at the UFC PI or the Apex. They got all these buildings coming sure. up, you know. Put them up there and you can you get, put them at the information desk. All right, yeah. uh, let's do before we let you go. Um, there's a couple things I want to hit on with you real quick here. 
Um, and we'll do them quickly. Uh, you attended a Bellator recently. Um, what do you feel like is the state of Bellator just in terms of, um, and, and hit it as quick as you can in terms of like uh, middleweight has a new champion now. Rory's kind of hit and miss in his division. Bader's holding two belts. Pitbull's holding two belts. And there's a lot going on. Do you think, are you feeling like Bellator, and I'm asking you this because you were there with the, the brass and around the fighters yeah. and everything. Are you feeling like they're he as healthy as they've ever been? Shuffling um, a bit? How are you feeling about Bellator? I don't, I don't feel like if you asked me this same question a year ago, I would actually go a little bit trending up um, because I think they have young prospects that are developing. They, Bellator does a really good job at getting prospect like UFC waits for prospects that are eight, nine and zero. Bellator would take them when they're zero and zero. They have they good at they have a lot of personalities. Guys like Dylan Danis, guys like Patrick Mix had a really good show. Guys Juan and Chaletta has really opened up. So I Gallagher. think there's ways. Yeah, Gallagher. I mean, they, they have a bunch of them. AJ McKee and Aaron Pico. And I mean, they got a lot of big characters and prospects that people are interested in. And then they do a good job. As much as people hate it, I, I'm one of them. I hate, you know, I was I had no interest in Leota Machida versus Chael Sonnen. But that's going to do the headlines that people are going to watch. I mean, you went on Twitter last week when there was no UFC. And it was blown up. That said, I still think they need to stick to Friday. I don't get why they're competing with you, you know, going head to head on Saturdays with UFC. I think that's a terrible idea. I also think it's a terrible idea. I mean, I understand they're trying to go to markets and aha, they're really trying to get a, you know, they're trying to put a whole series on in Europe, which is cool. But man, you got to zone, you got the stream service that it was an absolute disaster today with, hey, watch a couple fights, go away for hours, come back later. This like that was a disaster. Just have them all live. But overall, I think uh, I think they're doing a good job. I like the cross promotion is a smart thing to do. Um, building it to the Asian market, they're kind of building stars in different areas. So yeah, I think I think Bellator's in a really good situation. All right, let's move on. Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. There were two contracts given out: one to Punelli Soriano and one to Jorgen De Castro. Uh, so I'll ask you two questions. One: uh, Did you like those guys getting the contracts? And two. Uh, do you prefer – do you think the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series is better on ESPN or worse the same? Well, Sam, I, I mean, it, it was tough because they're in that new building and that right away looks so much better. So that, and, and there's nothing fat, Fight Pass can really do about that, but the building wasn't ready for yet. So I, I think that alone will make it look better. The production of ESPN is going to be better than Fight Pass, so that's a good thing. Um, but I'm a huge – I mean, you're asking like the biggest – contender series fan on the planet earth <laughs> like i'm the contender series guy <laughs> like if you go through me no one digs deeper than me when it comes to contender series so i love the contender series um cheap plug make sure you check out all my previews every week <laughs> on, on sherdog um so yeah i mean I, I didn't see a major difference but i mean i think everything on espn is better than with what the ufc was doing on fight pass Let's move on. Artem Lubov and Pauli Malignaggi are fighting. I could kill us. I could kill us. Uh, no, you don't even have a pick. You don't care. Nothing. I don't give a shit. It's it's. I look at bare knuckle boxing the same way I look at tough man competitions and freaking like backyard street fights. Listen, these are guys who can't cut. I mean, I've I've every podcast I've been on since that fight has been announced, I've been asked about it, and I keep saying the same thing. These are guys who can't hack it in MMA anymore and can't hack it in boxing. And I'm supposed to get excited. I'm supposed to get excited about seeing Chris Lieben boxing. Chris Lieben, eight years ago, 
we were sick of seeing him in MMA and asking him to retire. But now we take off four ounce gloves and limit the rules. I'm supposed to get excited about Chris Liebman. I'm supposed to get excited about Julian Lane and Johnny Bedford. Like these are the guys. I'm, I'm supposed to like take my money and to watch Johnny Bedford in a in a shitty boxing matches and Paulie Malignaggi, who's retired, who's I think he's like four and four of his last eight boxing matches. You lose four fights in boxing. That's like losing. Forty fights in MMA, it's it's terrible. I just I don't get. It. Why do we have to pretend as MMA fans that we sh- that we should like this and support it? And you know why I think it's a lot of the support is because oh you know what I want to stop. I was going to go down a hole that was going to dig up too many worms. I'm just going to back out now. Right. <laughs> I was going I was going I mean, down a hole that would have. Then let me save you. I think that it's kind bad. of like the Dada Kimbo thing. I think that people kind of like you know they watch it with a wink in their eye and then it starts to get traction. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like certain yeah. things, like people were just like, didn't want to take Kimbo seriously. They yeah. were tough, and then they start taking him a little seriously. All Listen, right. the, the XFL had good ratings at one point, you know, when they first came out. Yeah, I just look at bare knuckle boxing like it's going to be a something two, year, two, three years from now. We'll be like, oh, man, bare knuckle boxing? Like, there'll yeah. be something like you mentioned. The IFL, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, guys, they've, these, all these things have had these little gimmicks, and they had attractions, and it's, and it's been popular. But then at the end of the day, you're watching – Bad quality. There's no high-level boxes in this. This is washed-up MMA fighters. Right. All right, Sean O'Malley popped again with USANA. Uh, what are we going to do with this guy? Uh, well, he's super talented. Um, it's a slippery slope. What did he, what he pop for? Wasn't it like marijuana or something again? It started with an O. I can't remember. I, I, off the top of my head, uh, something I didn't know what it was. But, but my point is, is that what is – I mean – can this guy get it together or like at what point do you give up on a guy like this? I mean, he's super talented, but yeah, I mean, he uh, guys, let, me ask you, let me ask you this question in a better way. Is he talented enough to not give up on? Yes. Is but, he championship level talented? Uh, he's so young that he could be. Okay. Um, gun to my head. You asked me if, if he's going to win a championship. No, top but five. he's, but he's 20, top five. 24 years old. He's a, he's exciting. He's marketable. Um, you know, this is not uh, Andre Sigma talk. You know, pop it. This is a guy who's exciting. The people, are, I mean, holy crap! I just pulled up his record. The last time he fought was Andre Sigmundo. Holy moly! We're going on close to two years since he's fought. Doesn't seem that long, but uh, yeah. But you know what? We might be having the the Josh Golden of MMA. <laughs> like it's not to go that route. Yeah, that's true. All right. Lastly, Luke Thomas and Jonathan Snowden said that Chael Sonnen was a good, not great fighter. Chael took exception to that asking them what their criteria would be. I'll ask you a very simple question, and then we can go to finish strong. Was Chela good or a great fighter? Good. They're, he's there absolutely 100% right. What's, what's Chael Sonnen's best one? That's a good question. Brian Split. Stan? There you go. That means Brian, first Brian Stan. Vanderlei, you know, extremely Lushed. old. Yeah. You know, extremely old shot Vanderlei Silva. Uh, I mean, his press win probably is the Shogun submission. But I mean, Shogun, Shogun. Shogun, Shogun wasn't considered the best guy in the world anymore. I mean, what what Chill Sonnen is to me is going to be remembered as the guy that kind of always came up short, kind of a you know poor version of Jim Kelly, <laughs> like like gets gets close. But Chill Sonnen did, in my opinion, Chill Sonnen has done a few things. I mean, he he he's always going to I'm always remember as a character, like the ultimate character that was able to go places based on his personality that other people couldn't have. If Jill Sonnen did not have this huge trash talking personality, he would never be headlining 
pay-per-views and um, still, still to the same. Sorry. The, the first pay-per-view against Anderson Silva, maybe, but we'd probably look at it the same way when Yushin Okami fought against Anderson Silva. Yeah, well, here's my, here's my pushback to that. And I like Joe a lot. I mean, I've interviewed him a couple times. I like it, the content he puts out there. So I'm a little bit biased, but here's will be my only pushback to all of that. Is there's a, there's a world in which Chael Sonnen is a double champ, and it happens. It takes about a minute and a half to happen. Here's the world. First of all, if he doesn't get choked out by Anderson Silva, he's the middleweight champion of the world, number one. Yeah. Number okay. two, I'm pretty sure. So as I'm looking at his resume, he lost to John Jones by punches and elbows. 433, that's the fight John Jones broke his toe. Yeah. And if he and if so if he gets out of that round, he's the heavyweight champion because Jones can't continue. I think Which Jones is weird. I, I think Jones I think Jones hobbles on his foot one foot and still beats Chilson. <laughs> like I'm with Chil- you. I Chil- just think to me to me Chil- to me and did something that no party in history. He took a three fight winning streak and became a legend by it. He won three fights in a row, got himself a title fight, which I thought he deserved to get a title shot against him. Silva. But he taught, he did so well in the pre-fight talk that he, even when he lost, and obviously his performance against him Silva in the first fight helps too. But the three-fight win streak got him the chance, got this huge personality. Because up until that point, Chael Sennon was viewed as a, a journeyman. This is a guy that lost to Terry Martin and lost to Babu Sobral and lost to... Damian Meyer and like he he had a lot of law. Jeremy Horn I think beat him and stuff. So he was just a journeyman. Then he went on this three fight run. I think it was uh, Yushin Okami, Nate Marquardt, and somebody else. I'm forgetting. Dan Miller. Dan yeah, Dan Miller. <laughs> like Dan Miller Dan, started it. Then Okami. Then Marquardt. Then he got yeah. It. Yeah, and then he went on this run and he talked himself into John Jones. You say, yeah, he 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 would have beat Anderson Silva and got a shelf to John Jones. He talked himself to John Jones. He didn't deserve the title fight against John Jones. So it's kind of like – and here's another thing that, that Chael Sonnen did. People forget, when you go all the way back to that first Anderson Silva fight, Chael Sonnen was hated. He was kind of viewed like like two similar fighters now. He was either viewed like Henry Cejudo as in cringy and his trash dog is like, oh, my God, gimmicky and oh, stop. Or when he started like bad mouth in Brazil and stuff, he was looked at as Colby Covington, like going too far. Yeah. And then over the years, people kind of learned his gimmick and they've gotten on his side. I feel like they've done the same thing. They're starting to do it already, which with Henry Cejudo, the people kind of understand the gimmick and they're starting to like, well, a lot of people stand to like Henry Cejudo. So he was able to do that. And very few people was able to turn themselves from hated to loved. Yeah. And, but the ultimate thing and here's a perfect example of what he's really, he's a, I mean, he abused steroids, admits to it, admits that he had the run against the title by using steroids. He's a cheater, admits to it, and he's loved for it. Like, I don't know if there's any athlete in any sport is able to do that who's loved after admitting to doing steroids. And Kevin Ioli brought this up, and the backlash against him for bringing it up proved Kevin Ioli's point. Like, hey, this guy's a cheater, and you guys all love him. And everyone's going crazy, oh my God, how can you say this stuff? When when he retired, well, because he did it, and people yeah. love him, and I like Chael Sonnen too because it's funny his personality. He's, like I think he's a fantastic analyst. I think he, I think when he goes, if he can go full time to ESPN, I think it'd be great for the sport because I think I think he gets really good insight on things that a lot of people. I think he thinks outside the box, but I also think he thinks outside the box. He doesn't he doesn't do hot takes like like a Skip Bayless just to make a hot take. I actually believe. He has insight. He's when he's out, doing yeah. It. yeah, yeah. I'd like, I'm a chill. I, listen, 
I'm one of the few people when he fought against Anderson Silva that actually picked him to win. Um, so I'm not bashing that. I'm just saying. The I think that he has to be viewed two different ways. You can't just put him in this. He's you can't let the um, like he could be as good as Errol Hawani as a journalist. Sure. sure, I agree. But when you say that because he's as good as Errol Hawani as a journalist, that means he's a better fight. Like when you and everybody does it. Like guys use uh-huh. their media careers. You think that Alex Rodriguez would be doing Sunday Night Baseball if it wasn't to rehabilitate his image and get his ass in the Hall of Fame? That's why he's doing it. It's not like he loves baseball that much. He does, but it's not like he so desperately wants to be, to call games. He's trying to get himself in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, being being at the right place at the right time and the right opportunity, that's a big thing. I mean, uh, Matt Sarah got that one huge win in his career by knocking out uh, George Simpia, and he turned into a whole career with his – you know his uh, podcast and being yeah. a personality, doing the doing the TV show with Dana White, and if he never knocked out uh, George Saint-Pierre, he wouldn't have had that. He wouldn't have the same credibility. And, yeah. and a lot of people, if you don't remember, he won the reality show. I don't know if he, people always forget this. He went against Chris Lytle in the finals in one of the most boring fights in history. There was a split decision that a, most people thought Chris Lytle should have won. Yeah. Yeah, he, like a lot of people didn't think he deserved to even be in. Well, first of all, let me back up. A lot of people didn't think the winner of that show should have got a title fight. But besides that, most people didn't even think Matt Surrey won, which is even better. That's true. It makes, it makes it even better. All right, let's get out of here. What's your finish strong? Um, oh, my finish strong. The UFC, you have – we always talk about star fighters. You have a star in the Korean zombie. You see him. He's in South Carolina – People are going crazy. When he was coming out with a zombie song, people – he was getting as, as loud of the chair as, as people get. And he is a star. And if you do not get him to headline a card in Korea, you are drastically making a, uh, making a mistake. You are you – are, you are, well, I'm saying that wrong. You are making a huge major mistake by not having him headline. He should headline a card. I think there's rumors about November, December, them going to South Korea. He needs to headline it. Match him against, I think, the winner of, of Mega Mesherapov, Brian Ortega, would make a lot of sense. Match him against Ortega. Hell, you want to go de- deep, go deeper down, put him against Calvin Kate, whoever you want. Whatever it is, you need to get him in the headlining card, have that home, uh, home return, you know, the hero returning home reception. He deserves it, and it would be a genius move for a market you're trying to get into. I'll give you another genius move, ESPN on UFC. Here's something that I've been talking about doing for a while. Um, just as an idea for myself, obviously a lot of the logistics ESPN does. I'm going to hand this to you. Chael Sonnen is now retired. Okay. There's much more availability to do this. He will not be in gyms occasionally. You need to take Chael Sonnen, Era Hawani, pick another guy. It's up to you. Hey. And create, he's chilling, and create college game day for MMA. You can't figure out what to do with these guys. That's what you do with them. You want to put Karen Bryan at the, at the pre-fight and post-fight desk? That's fine. Put Chael and Ariel in the parking lot. And then make every UFC an event that fans want to come early and they want to go. I mean, listen, they already sell out the building. That's fine. But people watch. I don't even care about college football in terms of watching games. I'll watch it because I watch all sports. Like, I'll watch college football. It's a big game. I love watching game day. I love watching game day. They should. So you have game day. You have 
uh, Howie and Terry and all those guys on Fox, and you have um, NBA guys on TNT. You have the opportunity to do that with Errol, Chael, and find another guy. You know what I would do? I'd pick two guys that hate each other. Because on, on college game day, they always do like Duke and um, – and UNC. I don't, know. I don't. I don't watch it, but yeah. So they do Duke and UNC, or they do like two, two schools don't like each other, like Ohio State and uh, and Michigan. Here's what I would do: Chael, Ariel, Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber. What about what about Linda? It seems like ESPN's really grooming Gilbert. He's Linda. a good. He's a good guy. I'd put him on that, but you got to find somebody that he doesn't like. You have to <laughs> find somebody to play off him. That one last thing. And there you have it. All right, guys. Another one's in the books. Sunday morning corner man, Keith and I just gave both the UFC ideas that are going to increase their expansion into South Korea and make them a force in the uh, pre- pre-game world in terms of for MMA. That's it. Keith, tell people what you're working on, where you can be read, where you can be followed, the whole shebang. Yeah, you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Keith Schillen MMA, so it's at Keith Schillen MMA. My last name is spelled S H I L L A N, so it's K E I T H S H I L L A N M M A. Uh, you can follow my writings at SureDog, KSI Press, and Fansided. You can hear me on the Loudmouth MMA Podcast Network. And uh, my big thing I'm working on this week is the uh, week two of the Contender Series. I'll be doing that for the next 10 weeks. It's an in-depth. I dig deep. I watch all these films, and I make predictions. So if you want to kind of know about the fighters before they step in the cage, want to be the smartest guy in the room kind of thing, make sure you check that out. every. Be, probably, I think they go up Mondays on SureDog, the day before the fights. All right, guys, uh, next time you are at Home Depot, please pick up some boxes for Keith and I because we are moving. I'm not going to tell you where yet, but we're moving. International Fight Week. We'll be in a new home and uh, much, much, much great things to come uh, moving forward. So, again, at SM Cornerman is where you can follow me. You can uh, go to the Cage Side Pods and follow the podcast with Podcast Network there. Obviously, follow the Loudmouth MMA Network there. And uh, there'll be a lot of things going on over this summer. I'm, I'm a teacher. I got the summer uh, off to, to get some things together. So uh, you'll be seeing a lot more com- coming, moving forward. That does it for this episode of Sunday Morning Corner Man. As always, tell your mom, tell your friends, tell your friends' moms, tell your mom's friends. And as the great Alexander Augustuson says, the show is over, guys.